Okay. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for your fellowship. Lord, we thank you for fellowship, God, in the spirit and in truth and in life. Lord, we thank you that this morning you're coming to confront every place in us, God, where the full understanding and the knowledge of our salvation is so minute in comparison to the real glory that it is, God. I pray that you would magnify your son, Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we lean in, we lean into your fellowship, we lean into your leadership, we lean into your presence, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would magnify the word of God, that you would bring clarity and revelation and the wisdom of God. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts. Holy Spirit, no man can ascend to revelation through sheer knowledge and information. If you don't come and enlighten our hearts, we'll just have more information and not revelation. Come and breathe on the weakness of our humanity. Come and breathe on our strongholds that keep us from believing and receiving the true gospel, the whole gospel, the full gospel. Every place, God, where the gospel has not penetrated our hearts and minds, would you let us melt underneath the glory of the knowledge of God? I just feel like the Lord's saying he's asking for a divine participation. He's going to do his part, and he's just asking you to participate. Participate with your will. Participate in your intention. Participate with your desire to be changed. Lord, we thank you, God, that the fragrance of your name is humility. You've come in humility to share divine revelation with weak-willed men who are broken vessels and made from clay. And yet the glory of God in that humility is that he's poured out his glory and his eternal revelation into our earthen vessels. Lord, thank you for fellowshipping with clay. All right, kiddos, you guys can be dismissed with Miss Michaela. This is simple discipleship principle. Just because kids are moving around and we're transitioning, you actually can push in and stay in tune with the Holy Spirit even through transition. So you don't feel like you get whiplash of spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh. And it takes work. We have a lot of scripture this morning. And my hope is I won't have to speak for him. He'll speak for himself a lot of the time. 
I tend to not be a preacher, just so I'm preparing you. My husband is more of the preacher. I'm a little more of a teacher and a, and a conversationalist. Preaching is not necessarily a gift I've practiced very much, so I'm going to need a lot of grace because I'm not Josiah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, he has spent years um, practicing the presence and preaching from that place, and so if it feels a little different, it's because it is. So just kind of go with me, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's right. Preach it. Okay. And so we're going to kind of have partici- participation, too. So if you want to have your phone ready, because I know some of you are still learning where scriptures are. So feel free to Google them if I call on you. Glenn, you can turn the music all the way down. If I call on you, you're welcome to Google it if you don't know where books of the Bible are. If you do know and I call on you, we'll give you some time. Nobody panic. If you want to say pass, don't because I'm still going to make you read. <laughs> that was Josiah and me. <laughs> okay. We're going to start with... Um, John 11, 25 and 26. And listen, if you can't keep up with all these scriptures, because there's a lot, you can just write them and review them, but we'll, we'll kind of start right here. Josiah actually just texted me and said, since I could tell you guys that he loves you and that he sends his greetings and that he got rocked by the Lord today. He said that he's, it was probably the biggest encounter he's had in his adult life and God used his earthly father to give it to him. And if you knew before he left, um, you know, not necessarily a burden, but the heaviness of his uncle passing and, you know, everything that that meant. And so God has just really wrecked him. So he sends his greeting and he wanted you guys to know, and he will be home tomorrow. So I'm excited. It doesn't, something doesn't feel right when he's not here. You know, like, I know he's my husband, but also just like as a part of the body, it feels strange. Okay. Um, John 11, 25 and 26 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I feel like 
there's so much in this scripture right here because when we're buried with Christ right now as we live this in this age, I'm going to refer to it this age and the age to come, meaning after our physical death, we'll live in the age to come. But we're to die in this age and live as if we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And then we die to live for that age where Christ is magnified even in our death. Okay, John, who wants to read John 14, 1 and 4? All right, stand and read. Okay, so it says, do not let your heart, I'm going to reiterate this, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, the Father. Believe also in me, the Christ. In my Father's house are many dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I'm going. Do you know the way in which you went? Do you know where he's going? Do you know where you're going? Thomas, sa Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There is no other way to fellowship with the family of God, but through Christ. There is no way to fellowship with the Son without believing in him, without going through him, without obedience to him. Our whole lives, this age and the age to come, is summed up in Christ. He is the supreme treasure of the reason why we live, and he is the glory in our death. It is Christ both to begin a good work and to end a good work. It says that we were wrought in God, W-R-O-G-H-T. It means that we had our beginnings in God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Have a seat, please. Jehu. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That meant you're not an afterthought. I remember sitting on the front porch of Casey and Stuart's house just fellowshipping the Lord by myself and Hartwell, and the Lord said, Jen, I fellowshipped with the idea of you before the foundations of the earth. So it says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Salvation wasn't an afterthought. Jesus created the earth knowing our failures and wanting to come and be destroyed on our behalf. It wasn't like he created a garden and he was like, oops, mm, well, now I have to go be a slain lamb. Now I got to find a way to redeem him. No, 
He created us in hopes of fellowship, knowing we would miss the mark, fail, and knowing that he wanted in his own will and in the will of the Father to demonstrate his kingly humility. What a, he has all sovereignty, all power, and chooses to demonstrate it with all humility. And he decided that was a good plan before the foundation of the earth. Then he fellowshiped with the idea of you. He chose what year you would be w- born, and he knows what year you will die. He knew the moment you would take your first breath, and he knows the exact moment you will take your last. And he came so that in this life you may have him to the fullest, and in the next you can have him to the fullest. And how you participate in this life will determine how you fellowship with him in eternity. So it is so important that we understand the gospel and what the resurrection power really means what does it really mean because I think sometimes we get so um we get so familiar with the term resurrection life we get so familiar with the gospel yeah he died he raised again he lives for us and we don't understand what it is he did what we actually have access to and what it is we're going towards We are all moving towards death right now. Every second, we are headed towards, we're losing seconds of our lives, minutes, days. Every day that goes back, you can never get it back, ever. It says that your life is but a vapor. I was reading in Ecclesiastes 2 today, and it says everything's meaningless under the sun, except basically the knowledge of God. But the reality is, is that He created us from the beginning to walk with him forever. And it says, y'all know the story of Cain and Abel? The Bible is wrought from beginning to the end, telling the mysteries of this. Paul says, the mystery of Christ has been revealed to us in his death, burial, and resurrection. And what, what prophets spoke in mystery, we see plainly now, right? But when the prophets were speaking, people were like, what do you mean he's coming? What, do you, what does that mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? And so there was a mystery sh- shrouded over the fact that Jesus was coming to the earth. And when he came, we're like, there's the mystery. The mystery is Christ wanted us to fellowship with him from the beginning. And so when we fell in the garden, he gave us a choice because we're not robots. It was the beauty of his humility not to create robots, even from the beginning, that he would create a humanity that had a choice because he actually finds it beautiful and it actually gives him life. It actually brings him joy to see something that has a choice. Choose him. Has anyone, uh, this is very, very harsh, but if you've ever been sexually abused or beaten, left, shot, stabbed, abandoned, right? Have you ever experienced that? That is life outside of someone taking your choice, right? It happened to you. You didn't choose that, and it feels like a betrayal of your own body, right? 
Because God gave us the power of choice to choose life, to choose him. And when we acknowledge and believe Jesus with our lips, but not with our lives, there's not full reward in that. Because we can say, yes, we love God. We can pre- I can preach right here all day long, every day. But if my life doesn't live the gospel, my reward is less. Because the reality is, if you believe in Christ, you're going to heaven. But the Bible says that some men make it into heaven like those who barely escape the flames. While others who gave their life on this side, even in death to the Lord, they will rule and reign with him. There is a hierarchy in how we live our lives in eternity. And guess what? Jesus isn't hanging that over your head going, hope you make it. He's actually saying, no, I want you to win. I predestined you to win. I want you to get to the goal. I've given you everything for life and godliness. I've given you the Holy Spirit. I want you to win. I want to give you every reward I've planned for you. Do you know that he planned good works for you to do before you were born? That's what the Bible says. The works that were planned for me before the foundations of the earth. There are good works planned just for you so that in the age to come, there are rewards planned for you. And you can forfeit them. You can forfeit eternal reward. Go to, uh, uh, Elizabeth, can you read um, John 14, 9? You can take the mic just so they can hear you. Um, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? God's shown you glimpses of eternal glory in the face of the Son. Can you see him? Do you see the Father? I will say, we don't to some degree, or we wouldn't be acting like orphans. There are places in my heart I feel like God has to come after. Do you see the Father? How can you say to me, Philip, that you haven't seen the Father? Because if you've seen me, you've seen him. Meaning I am displaying your eternal fellowship right here, right now. Do you see the Father? Philippians 1, 20 and 21. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul is saying, I have beheld the reality that I was born for Christ I was born to live for him, and I was born to die for him, and I was born to go on in eternity beholding and believing and fellowshipping with him. And Paul says, I go on as now. I will not be put to shame. This this race will not be run in vain because I know why I'm running it, and I know where I'm going when I finish running it. And whether in this life or in the life or in my death, Christ will be glorified in me. Do you live from that perspective every day? I would say, no, you don't. 
Yes, Philippians 1, 20 and 21. Listen, there's a scripture that says, um, well, let me find it. It says, it says, go stand in the temple courts and tell people the full message of this life. The full message. Do you preach to yourself the full message of the life of Christ and the gospel in which you say that you've been born into? Do you even, can you even wrap your mind around the glory of the gospel and the fact that there are aspects that we're not actually manifesting because we actually don't know they're available to us and we haven't believed them in our hearts yet? It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. Do some of y'all fear death and being ashamed of when the Lord comes for you? Do you feel that way? You don't have to feel that way. And it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means you start moving towards this. And even when you don't understand with your intellect, you're choosing every day to say, I don't understand. I'm not there yet. But I choose to believe what you created me for, what you came for, what you died for, what you live for, what you intercede for. Jesus is the beginning and the end. He was before Abraham, but he came after Abraham. He created us. He wrought creation in him. He gave us salvation. He gave us the law. He gave us the prophets. Then he came. He fulfilled the law and the prophets. He raised the standard. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He walked with us in humility. He died, was buried, resurrected, and he ascended for us. Why? He prophesied to us about us. Hey, I'm going to come and show you how to do this. I created you, and so now I'll come. I'll come like a baby. I'll obey my parents like a baby. I'll obey my, my parents like a teenager. I will submit to my father, and even though I am God, I will do nothing outside of what the father tells me. I will do nothing without the Holy Spirit. I will demonstrate what your life should look like and what it can look like. And then he gave his life to people. He just gave it away, feeding people and walking with people and being poured out for people. Then he died carrying the weight of all men's sin from the foundation of the world until the day that this age ends. We're not talking about just for men's sin that, that was in his region during his time. We're talking about for every human who ever walked the face of the earth and whoever will walk the face of the earth. He became, and listen, he didn't just die, but he lived perfectly so he could be a spotless lamb. Had he sinned one time, he could not have been the lame slam for you. He could not have been your perpetuation for your sin because he would have been a spotted lamb. He didn't just die for you. He lived in perfection for you so that he could die for you. Wrap your mind around that. He was God, and he didn't consider it anything to be God, and he lived faithful and obedient for y- on your behalf and for the will of the Father because the Father wanted you. He sent his son so he could have more than one. He lived perfectly obedient for you and he died perfectly 
obedient for you. And he resurrected perfectly obedient for you. He ascended perfectly obedient for you. And then he said, I showed you the way. Walk in it. In your life, in your death, and in your resurrection. If you can trust him in death, then you can trust him in life. If you can trust him, how many believe they're going to go to heaven when they die? How in the world can you put your faith in the fact that you can trust him when you die, but you don't while you live? If you can trust him when you die, then you can trust him while you live. Philippians 3, 20 through 21. But our citizenship, I'll let you get there. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. I'm sorry, who's American in here? Right. Earthly citizens were considered American. But Paul's saying when you actually get baptized into Jesus, your American citizenship, sure, use it while you can. But in reality, you are a citizen of heaven. You don't belong to this age. Why do you live for it? But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior. Come on. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. But our citizenship is in heaven. Where is it at? And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Here's what he's saying. You, do you want proof that your body is going to become like his body in resurrection? It's a promise to you if you believe in Jesus. Here's your promise. The same power that makes the earth bow before him is the same power he'll have in your body when you die. The power that Jesus displays to subject all things under his leadership is the same power he will afford to you in your death to be resurrected with him in a new body. If you can trust him in your death, you can trust him in your life. If he's promising resurrection from the dead and he demonstrated it to show us, do you know that Jesus is called our elder brother? He's not just your king. You have to enter in through lordship. Salvation comes through lordship. Yes. Lordship, salvation, brotherhood. Those are the gates of fellowship. Lordship first, you must obey the Lord Jesus. 
If he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Then salvation for those who obey and love, and then brotherhood. Lordship, salvation, brotherhood. We are citizens in heaven. That, that tense, if you know anything about future past tense, it means currently, presently. You are citizens of heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 10. I know some of you are visual learners, so I'll wait for you to get there. We're going to have a lot of scripture, but I'll let you, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 10. Okay, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Who's, who's Lord? Are we all just individualistic believers who just believe in Jesus and we have just some um, general association with one another? Are we individualistic believers where our salvation is personal to us and we have some general fellowship with one another? Or are we citizens of heaven and he's our Lord and our Father, we're one family one kingdom. No. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us a holy calling, not because of our works, because, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who, established, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Listen again. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. What is Timothy saying here? Or I think it's Paul. What is Paul saying here? Share in his suffering. Why? Why? Why is it not our best life now? Why does Jesus get to call us to suffering? He already did it. He didn't suffer so we didn't have to. He suffered so he can show us how to obey, even in suffering. So he's calling him. Listen, if you follow the Lord, suffering is non-negotiable. If you belong to Jesus, suffering is a calling. It's non-negotiable. Raise your hand and say, suffering is a calling. And it's a non-negotiable. I belong to a king in a kingdom. And he suffered, so so will I. Yes. 
but we suffer for the gospel by the power of God. Do you suffer in your own strength? And why do we suffer? For the gospel. That what I'm preaching today would go forth, that people would understand, believe, and live it. And if you preach the gospel right, you will be hated. Rejection increases. It does not decrease. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Is it a general calling? Is it a kind of cool calling? No, it's a holy calling. There should be some reverence to your calling. Not because of our works. You can't, there's nothing we can do but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He saved us and called us to a holy calling. And if you skip it, so it says, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death. Say abolished death. And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Do you know that you truly are an immortal? This is why, like, Avengers and stuff like that, sometimes, I'm not, I'm not trying to get, like, super religious. My kids have seen Avengers. I get it. You can enjoy Avengers if the Lord so says you can. But this is why thing like, movies and cartoons that talk about immortality can be so damaging if your children only know immortality through the world's version of immortality. Do we teach our children that they are immortal? Because he abolished death. We have to go through death, but we don't get stuck in death. We resurrect, right? And here's the crazy thing. We don't just resurrect at the end of our life. We're resurrected now. We live a resurrected life right now. If you were baptized in, in water with Christ, it is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. You're already walking as a resurrected life, period, by spirit. But one day, your physical body will go through resurrection because your spirit led the way. Right? We're first spirit, then natural. Our spirits attained a resurrection our bodies will attain to resurrection. Jesus resurrected, and it was a prophetic sign, so will we. Hebrews 2, 14 through 10. Teach your children immortality. Meditate. I just want you to write immortality on a piece of paper. Put it on your mirror, and I want you to go around for the rest of this week meditating on the fact that he gave you immortality in Christ. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook, he being Jesus, of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. How many of you are afraid to die? Anybody lay in bed and think about dying? I used to. It says, he, Jesus, came. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook. He didn't have flesh and blood. Jesus was fully spirit. 
Okay, look at me. I want your eyes to look at me really quick so I know I have your attention. Jesus was fully spirit. When he came, he took on flesh, and he was fully God and fully man. He was fully man because he was fully submitted to God, but he was fully God demonstrated in a man. But he only did what the Father told him. And then when he ascended to the Lord, do you know that he's still married to the human form? He didn't throw off his humanity. He still has a resurrected human body because he wanted he wants to fellowship with us even in physical form through eternity. The humility of Jesus. He has a resurrected human form. What that fully is, I don't know. Correct. But while he was here, he had a fully human form. Not sure. But even then, I don't know what that, what that would include. Because it says, we're, uh, you know, when he was here, he was a man. But he said there would be no male nor female. So I don't know what that would look like in resurrected form. I think our spirits still show feminine expression because we're female. But I don't know what our bodies would be looking Well, and they recognized Moses and Elijah as well. You will, you will recognize one another for sure. You'll just have a resurrected form. But think about the humility of Jesus to marry the human race that he created. Lead by example. Die by example. Ascend by example. And then refuse to divorce his human state. Because he continues being the example. It says that he's our faithful high priest, constantly making intercession for us, praying for us. Listen, how many believe that Jesus is a harsh master sometimes? Do you ever feel like that? Like, I'm just never going to get it right. He's just, this is just way too hard. Have you ever feel this way? Yeah, there have been times, right? This is why Jesus says in the parable of the talents, if you thought me to be a harsh master, you would have at least invested your money and got some interest you wicked and lazy servant I have thought God to be harsh as well at times but if we knew how truly for us he was and what he's already provided that we're not even fellowshipping with him in we don't fellowship with the Lord inside of these realities when we go and talk to him we are still self-absorbed self-consumed self 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 and in fact when you come when you're a babe in Christ you're going to be more self that little baby sitting on the front row she's more self-consumed than anybody in this room when you're a babe in Christ you're going to be a little self-consumed because someone needs to care for you and, and feed you and change your diaper but when you grow up you should be about your father's business and if you're still needing your diapers changed and you're still so self-consumed it means that you're an infant and you should put off infant stuff and move on to maturity in Christ Okay, Isaiah 25.8, he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people will be, he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Isaiah 25.8, he will swallow up death forever. This was before he came, so they're prophesying thousands of years before he comes, hey, we have a, a real Christ. He's coming, and he's going to swallow up death forever. He will wipe away all of our tears, and, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. This is a prophecy 
that has twofold prophecy. It's about his first coming and the end of the age, right? Matthew 27, 50 through 53. Matthew 27, 50 through 53. Who wants to read that? Just come read it from the mic so we can... Oh, did I say 57? Matthew 27, sorry. 50 through 53. Yeah, Matthew 27. All right, I'll just go ahead and read it. And when Jesus had cried out loud in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When Je- Jesus is, look at my eyes. Jesus' resurrection was such a profound experience that when he was resurrected with the power and glory of our Father and the Holy Spirit, boom, resurrection was, was poured out and hundreds of people got up with him and went and presented themselves alive in the temple with Jesus. The day Jesus was resurrected, hundreds were resurrected with him. Can you imagine? Your your grandma's dead. She's been dead 25 years. This man, Jesus, he's been doing miracles. They crushed him. He's presenting himself, and there's grandma. He's so demonstrated the power of his resurrection, he didn't just prove he was God because he said, here I am, I'm back. He said, and there's your grandmother, and there's your brother, and there's your aunt, and there's your nephew, and there's your children, and there's your cousin. I am Lord. I am he. Look at me. I am the resurrection and life. There's no other way to live. Anything less is honestly obnoxious. Have you ever been so annoyed with yourself? Uh, Me, even today. I'm like, ugh, live in Christ. Because carnality is obnoxious. Live inside of the resurrected Christ. Dude, it would have been enough, you guys, had he just resurrected and demonstrated himself that I'm him. I'm back from the dead. People would have marveled. But not when Nana and Book and Sally and Danny and Mildred and they're all walking back into the gates going, okay. Families were radically changed through the demonstration of resurrection applied in Christ Jesus. It so shook the earth, the dead rose before the end of the age. 
if you can believe him in your death, you can trust him in your life. John 5:24 Very truly I tell you whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life John 5, 28 through 29. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done what is good will rise and to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. So it says to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord, to, to be present with the Lord. But those who are dead, even though their spirits are fellowshipping with the Lord, there is a resurrection that they will even experience from their own graves and go to final judgment. Everyone is waiting for the summing up of the end of the age. People cannot be judged who are dead right now fully in their judgment. Why? We've talked about this before. Because Paul has to wait until the end of the age when the Lord recomes, returns because he's still producing fruit. When, if Connor were to die tomorrow, not going to happen. If I were to die tomorrow, not going to happen. But if it were, Connor would, his spirit would be with the Lord, but he would have to await final judgment until the end of the age. Because his life would still be carried on in Emerly and his children's 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 children. Do you live like that? Do you live like that? Are you sowing seeds of the gospel in your children because long after you're dead, your life is getting you reward or not? Do you spank your children like it's an eternal matter? Do you love and nurture your children like it's an eternal matter? Because, listen, you can be saved and your generations go on to actually blaspheme the Lord like you were a blip. And there might be someone on down the line where your prayers manifested in them, right? Or do you want to leave a longer legacy of holiness? That comes through prayer, supplication, demonstration. And this is not, listen, no man can do this in his own power. So I'm not saying do better. I'm saying get in Christ. Um, what scripture did I just read last? John 5, 24. Okay, John, who wants to read John 20, verse 1 for me? While you're waiting, I'm going to read John 40, which says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and will raise them up on the last day. That's God's will. 
Do you have to beg God for that? Is that like a negotiation that only like really holy people get? Is it a part of everyone's package? Yes. It says it's the Father's will that he resurrect you. That was John 6.40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and will raise him up. Do you know that that's actually the Son's inheritance? Hey, do you know that that's Jesus' inheritance, that we be resurrected in him? John 6.54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. That's not, listen, we have communion over here. Communion is not just a sacrament. It's not just symbolism. Look at me, that right there, that when you got in the water in the ocean or in a baptismal and you were put under the water, was it just a symbol? Or was it a holy moment of divine transfiguration? We're going to take communion later. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and will raise them up on the last day. If you fellowship with Christ, that's his, you're fellowshipping with his blood and his body, his death, his burial, and resurrection. If you do that, you will have eternal life. John 20, verse 1. Who wants to read that? Go ahead. Keep going. Pause. 
this whole thing is they don't understand the resurrection, even though the law, the prophets, it's all pointing. He, Jesus was, I'm go, death, burial, and resurrection. And they're like, yeah, okay. And Mary is so clinging to the Lord and being like, where's my Lord? I just want to bury him. She was willing to fellowship with him in his dead body because he made so much of an impact. And when he was resurrected, it, so, it didn't even cross her mind. I feel like we fellowship with the Lord like that. Yeah, I know you guys. Lord, where are you? Where is my Lord? Where have you laid him? Like, I can't find him today. And the Lord's like, Mary. And it's when he said her name, her eyes were open, and she realized it was the Lord. And it dawned on her, oh, this resurrection power thing, this is real. Acts 3.15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. We're on this page. I can't remember. You write these scriptures down. I'm just going to move through them really fast. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. What were they testifying to? When you preach the gospel, is that your go-to? You have immortality in Christ. There's no way to get it without him. You have salvation from your sins resurrection, power. There's no other way but Jesus. Do you preach the resurrection? You should because it's how men are saved. That's also where power and works follow. Have, you, have anybody, has anybody seen the real miracle before? Like an actual notable miracle? If we begin to preach the gospel and talk about resurrection power and the life of Jesus, we will see more miracles we've ever seen in our life. We have to preach it to one another. We have to preach it to ourselves, and we have to preach it to the lost. Okay, I'm moving fast. Acts 17, 31. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the men he has appointed, by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. How will you know you will be judged? Because he raised him from the dead. Acts 24, 15, and I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Hey, the wicked are going to have to come out of their graves too, but they go on into eternal damnation. They will no longer fellowship inside of life. They will be eternally inside of death, held in the womb of death and torment for the rest of their life. Why? Because they did not look upon and believe the Son of Man who gave himself in humility. You don't treat the king and his kingdom however way you want. Acts, Acts 26, 22 through 23. But God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. 
Okay. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4. This is a big passage um, of what we're going to focus on really quick. And then we just have a few more scriptures and we'll sum it up. 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm going to go really, really fast, so I want you to listen. Finally then, brethren, we, requ- we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. So if you're already doing good, do even more good. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. What authority? The Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. What's the will of God? Your sanctification, this side of heaven. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. And that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. That means if you reject being sanctified, you're not rejecting the man who's bringing you the commandments because he says it's by the authority of Jesus we give you these commands. And if you reject our commands, you're not rejecting us, you're rejecting God. Now, as to the love of, your, of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourself are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and, do, uh, and not be in any need. But we... But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as to do the rest who have who will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So if we remain till the end, till Jesus returns, people will be, will be resurrected. They will precede us. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that we shall be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So people were infiltrating them, telling them there's no resurrection from the dead. And they were opposing this message and getting them caught up. And he said, hey, go back to work and just be peaceful. Ignore these people. Be at peace because we do get a resurrection from the dead. We do. And he's saying, and people, if you live until the Lord returns, because they're like, well, what if the Lord returns and people who are dead won't have bodies anymore? You know, we hear those things all the time. People who are like, well, what happens to people who are burned in fire and their bodies are in ashes? Well, we know that Jesus said that even the sea will give up their dead. You think that people who drown in the sea, that their bodies are perfectly um, fine, just perfectly preserved in salt water? No, the sea will give up her dead. People who are burned in fire, the ashes of their body will assemble under the power of a resurrection. 
because their spirits are with the Lord. But their bodies will be resurrected if we live that long. If we live to the coming of the return of the Lord, they will rise and we will meet him. And when it says in the air, he's not saying rapture. He means we're actually going to an earthly place. So instead of taking a plane, resurrection power will bring us to him on the earth when he stands on the earth. That's going to be wild, just saying. Do you walk around believing that's the gospel? Do you guys sit around meditating on this? Because I feel like if we did, we would live entirely different, right? So my hope in reading all these scriptures is to just have you in this posture of, do I live like I'm already resurrected in my spirit and that I will be resurrected in my body, that Jesus is coming again, and that power applied, his resurrection power. And not only his resurrection power, but it says in Ephesians that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So when you're like, you know, sometimes you just let yourself off the hook. And of course, we want grace, right? You want to give yourself grace. God forgives us. We, we move on. But what if we lived like the same Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead and rose 500 with him lives inside of us? We can withstand from sexual immorality and, and a bad attitude. Okay, go to... Oh, my goodness, my kids are going crazy. I'm going to read these. Ro- uh, Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united with him in death like, like his, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like his. Come on. Romans 6, 5. Romans 6, 6. For we know that the o- our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. 8 through 11, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God, in Christ Jesus. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was also raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is your mouth that you profess your faith, and are saved. Romans 14, 9, for this very reason Christ died and returned to life so that we might be, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Y'all, he has subjected everything underneath his feet. He's both the Lord of the dead and the living. Say it out loud. I serve a king he, who is both Lord of the dead and the living. Why do you walk and talk the way that you do? Because I serve the Lord of both the living and the dead. Why do you behave that way? Because I'm immortal. 
I'm living in my immortality. Why are you so bold? Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 21. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, meaning he's the firstborn of even the dead. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Okay, sin came through Adam. He's the second Adam. He's going to give you life. Right? All right, last scripture. Actually, we'll do three more and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash and the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will rise. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Most of y'all were looking at each other, so you want me to say it again? Okay. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53. I'm going to read the last verse. For the perishable us, right, because we can still perish in our bodies, must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Clothe yourself with imperishability and immortality. When you get up in the morning, you're not like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just Jen trying to live for Jesus. No. The resurrected Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in me, and I'm going to clothe myself with imperishability and immortality, and I'm going to walk and live like he is in me, like he's the king of both the living and the dead. And whether I live or die, let it be for his glory. That's what you're created for. Anything less is cheap, and you shouldn't preach it. 54, go ahead and read it if you want to. Yes, he's, he's talking about when we, because this scripture is actually about when we all have imperishable, bo- imperishable bodies and we're all truly in our immortal bodies. Like we won't, we'll die once and we'll never die again. Our spirits died once, we're resurrected, but our flesh will die once, right? Unless you were resurrected and you died twice. Or like Elijah and you never died once and, you know, the mysteries. Not you, Elijah, but, you know. But I say all that to say, yeah, the mystery is that when it's done, when it's said and done, we will all sing, death, oh death, where is your sting? For it's swallowed up in victory. Think about this. Every age from the foundation of the world until now will stand together and sing to the Lord, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? Like, Woe oh, to the man who gave his life for me. Oh, to the man who promised me salvation. Oh, to the man that I live my life for, who I died for. He gave me immortality. Come on. Only got two more. Y'all are almost there. Y'all watch movies longer than this, y'all. So I want y'all to wipe that look off your face. 
Food's coming. Nobody's going to die. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5, 4 through 15. For Christ's love compels us. Do you guys feel love this morning being washed by the resurrection life? Come on. I feel washed. Doesn't it, make, doesn't it compel you? Because that's God's love applied towards it. God's not loving just in word and thought. He's loving indeed. I need you to stop preaching louder than I'm preaching, girlfriend. For Christ's love compels us. Resurrection power is love. It compels us. I'm not saying that's the only thing he means by love here. I'm just saying we should feel loved, being renewed by the reality, right? Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Why do we strive for righteous living? Is it just because God is just worthy, and if I don't, then I get punished, and I'm scared of him, and I don't want to, like, get a disease or die of cancer? Like, what's compelling you to live a righteous life? Well, because he's worthy, and I just have to. No, Christ love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. His death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and life and promise to resurrect us compels us because we know one died for all. We know this compels us. We know our end. We know what we are created for. We know what we're going to die for. And it compels us to righteous living. Philippians 10, uh, Philippians 3, 10 through 11. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want you to post the scripture on your mirror, Philippians 3, 10 and 11. I want to know Christ. When you don't know what to pray, pray this prayer. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Listen, we, we just scratch on the surface with resurrection talk. But he's reaching for, I want to know. I need to understand. It is my life bread. It is the water that waters my garden. I have to know my Lord's resurrection. I got to know what it means that he was resurrected. I got to know what it means that he promises me resurrection. It's my life and sustenance. To, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. He's saying, take me through suffering because there I dine with you. Let me know suffering for in it I find you. I'm so compelled that this life doesn't even matter. So even if I suffer and I, you never give me another good thing, not that this is the Lord, but this is a heart posture, right? Even if you put me through famine and sword and persecution, I know you there. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. You know what he's saying? 
Put me through your walking shoes, Lord. Tell me how you were resurrected. Preach to me, Holy Spirit. Preach to me, Jesus, when I open your word. Preach to me resurrection power. So consume my life that I walk above it in suffering and I fellowship with you there. Because I know that whether in life or in death, I will be resurrected from the dead and there find a reward in you. You are worth the knowledge of knowing. You are worth the suffering. Let me know. Teach me. Because listen, if you do not pray these dangerous prayers, he will not answer them. I promise what you're praying is affecting the expediency or the delay of the knowledge of God in your life. You guys must learn, and we, I too, must learn to pray dangerous prayers. First John 3, 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been ma made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is in all his fullness. Right now we only see as a shadow, right? First Peter 1, 21 and 22. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your, bapti your baptism in water saved you by the resurrection of Christ. How about that? When you got in that water, it saved you through the resurrection of Christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Let me just read that one more time because some of y'all look like y'all have glazed donuts in your eyeballs. And this water baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him when you got into the water the water didn't save you your faith in the resurrected christ and the fact that he sits with all authority and power saved you we're saved being saved and will be saved so if you were saved by the thought of resurrection power and you were buried with him then you will continue being saved day in and day out by knowing the power of his and our resurrection in Christ Jesus. Right? Can someone not look at me like that? Praise be to God, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Come on. Praise be to God. Praise be to your own works. Praise be to your good attitude. You felt really holy today. Praise be because you prayed for 10 minutes instead of five. Praise be to you had a good attitude with your kids, so now you're good. No, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, 
He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoiler fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that shields your, in, your inheritance from spoiling or fading. So when you don't have faith in yourself, good. Get low and say, Lord, you've kept for me an inheritance. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead and lives in me is the same power that's keeping my inheritance in heaven. Now let me live and run the race in such a way that I don't lose one of those inheritances. And really our inheritance is Jesus. But I also believe it's authority in the afterlife. Some of us will have more authority than others, right? I'm just going there because we only got a few more. I was going to quit, but I really feel like the Lord's just pushing it in. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Now may the God, Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Listen to how much this is not about you. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. It means he made a covenant with Abraham with blood, and he sealed it with Christ. He demonstrated it with Christ. Through the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him and through Christ Jesus to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Come on, may he work everything in you. May he work everything in you. Because he's the good shepherd of the sheep. He will equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Listen, if Jesus didn't resurrect from the dead, we are foolish, and you might as well eat, drink, and be merry and die. If there's no resurrection, there is no gospel. If there's no resurrection, there is no hope. But praise be to God, there is. Not only in our Bible, but also in history. Do you know that? Do you know that when Jesus actually resurrected from the grave, even unbelievers in history books write about the men and women who came back from the dead? Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. All right. Revelation 1, 17 through 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. Jesus says, I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. So he's having, 
John the Revelator is having an encounter where he sees the Lord. He sees the Lord, the resurrected Christ in flesh. And he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. He was so magnificent. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. All right, last one, Revelation 24 and 6. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their forehead or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. If you give your life for Christ, most of us in this room may experience martyrdom if, God expe- if we expedite time and see the return of the Lord. But most of us will die of natural causes. But those who live and die, who die for Christ a martyr's death, will rule and reign with him. God doesn't just want how you live for him. He actually wants your death to count. And if you're bold, you'll pray, Lord, I want to live for you, but make my death matter. Right? I feel like we would be more bold and our, our spirits would be strengthened if we prayed more prayers that live from this reality. I know that you guys probably got waterboarded with the word, but I also know that people scroll their phones. For, how many of you guys scroll your phones for hours sometimes? Watch movies for hours, veg out, take naps. We, we need to be disciples who can stay in the river of God's word for long periods of time while God just hammers that stuff into our spirit. And it gives the Holy Spirit something to work with the rest of the week. He's going to breathe on this seed. He's going to expound things to you. He's going to tell you things. Your worship is going to come alive. Your prayers are going to be more bold. And that's when the real work gets done. Me preaching is not where the real work gets done. The real work comes when you lay hold of the word of God by faith and you go home and and you ask the Holy Spirit to work it into maturity and actually produce something. I know we've kind of gone a long time, so I'm actually going to vote for let's just not do worship. Let's turn on some music. Let's take communion together. And let's magnify the Lord. for this resurrection that we get to live resurrected we get to die and be resurrected that it was his life his death his resurrection power when you drink that juice and you break that bread it is not symbolism that is not a relic it is not traditions of men this is a holy spiritual transformation not because of the juice and the the bread but because when you do that in remembrance of his resurrection his death and his life 
he comes and he fellowships with you right there. Communion is so much more than just repentance. It's thanksgiving. It's adoration. It's beholding. It's becoming. It's transforming. When you take communion, don't take it lightly. It's a holy act where we are actually citizens of heaven partaking. You know, the sweetest scripture that I love, I don't know why the scripture is so, it rocks me every time I hear it. Jesus said, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. He says for us to take this as often as we can when we get together to remember him. Turn the music up just a little bit. This, he said, get together and take this as often as you can and remember me. And I promise that I won't partake of the fruit of the vine because the next time I do it, we'll be sitting at the table in my Father's kingdom and I will drink with you there the new wine of the kingdom. That's what he says. This is just earthly juice. They took real wine, but he's saying, I won't. I won't. I won't partake. I'm waiting for and when you come, we'll drink together. Not to drunkenness like most people think. But we will drink down joy unspeakable and full of glory. We will drink down full joy unspeakable and full of glory. And we will fellowship with the Lord completely unhindered, completely immortal, and we will say, death, where is your sting? So when you partake today, he's asking you. He's abstaining while he remembers us, and we're partaking as we remember him. So when you partake, he comes like this. Come on. Let's be together. I miss you too. I miss you too. I'm waiting. I can't wait to be with you in my Father's kingdom. I can't wait. I long for you. I'm pouring out everything. I'll give you everything you need. Go finish well. I can't wait to see you. But I'll be with you every day. And honestly, this remembrance is less about him and way more about our earthly ability to keep him in the forefront of our minds. This is to say, shut up, flesh. Shut up, mind. I'm a citizen of heaven, and I will dwell and live from this place. Communion is always a recalibration of where we are and what we're living from. So with that being said, I actually don't want to just take it as families. I actually just want to take it together 